1895, the state of Ohio had only two automobiles. And wouldn't you know it, they collided. <laughs> so, <laughs> who knows what kind of collision we're going to have in the days ahead. If you dare vote for a decree that God finds abominable and murderous, you will answer to him. God's curse is upon you. How dare you? How dare you? defy him. Strange women lying in ponds, distributing swords is no basis for a system of government. When is the time for justice? The time is now. I'm tired of waiting for incremental solutions that never make any increments and never bring solutions. So when is the time for justice? It's now. I said to every sinner, God broke the law for love. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. If the court in a nation is the highest authority, then you've found a God. If the people are the highest authority, then you've found another God. If, if there's no transcendent law governing over this nation or any other nation, then you've found another God. It's never too early to learn that the government is a greedy piglet that suckles on a taxpayer's teat until they have sore, chapped nipples. Take the guns first, go through due process second. Please clap. Just as the church has an obligation to be Christian, just as the family has an obligation to be Christian, just so the school has an obligation to be Christian, and the state, and your calling, and the school, every area of life must recognize Christ as Lord and Savior. Like this is what your life like. Try to live the life right. People really know you push your buttons like type right. Welcome to Cross and Crown Radio. We are an unapologetically Christian reconstructionist talk show, and we're here for your edification and enjoyment. We love the scriptures because it teaches that Jesus Christ is king, and by that we know that there is absolutely no neutrality. There's no exile, there's no surrender. My name is Jason. With me is John and Jordan tonight. How are you guys? Hey, howdy, yo. howdy. Doing great. How are How you? How about that Kanye? A little bit of Kanye bumping there. Who's, who's that? Well, we're going to get to that. The Kanye West. Welcome to the kingdom, brother. Releasing, releasing his uh, album, Jesus is King. I saw a cool picture. They had it up on in Times Square. You know, the blue record. It was this huge, uh, well, it's a video Jesus screen. Jesus is King. Yeah, Jesus is King right in Times Square. Pretty awesome, if you ask me. I think that's really cool. But we're going to get to that, so don't get too far ahead of this. This is uh, season two. This is number 12, though. Episode 12. We've reached the end of season two. Can you believe it? It feels like we were just starting up season one, episode one yesterday. Yeah. It's, it's flown by. So I guess that makes this episode 24 in total. Right. But yeah, it's kind of, you know, it's been a great year. We've had some great discussions, and this this season has been a lot of fun, too. Uh, man, we've we've covered a lot of stuff. We had uh, our friend Adam on talking about Bitcoin. 
we've covered a whole host of topics. Um, yeah, you know what I, I think of when I think of all the shows we've done so far? Like, you never run out of topics to talk about because there's just always something going on, something you can apply the Word of God to. Yeah, something Trump said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just saw that uh, Beto is out of the race. Yeah, bye-bye, Beto. By oh, the way. so sad. Um, can't confiscate our guns. Can't take Aww, the AR-15s <laughs> Now all the rest would just drop out, you know, and yeah. then we don't have any president. No one 2020. That's who I'm going you for. You know, I, I will have to tell you guys <laughs> this. I had a thought this week. It could be heretical. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. Um, well, it's not necessarily theological orthodoxy we're talking about, but, you know, maybe like we change the Constitution. We can have a president for six years and then the seventh year we'll have a... a <laughs> A sabbatical where no one's elected. Oh, I see. I don't know. Maybe hmm. maybe that could work. Did you just think that up? Yeah, this week. I don't know why. <laughs> I was just Jubilee S- principles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or we can not have a president. Or just not at all. Like at all. I mean, Kanye said Jesus is king. I mean, that means something. Something, yeah. I don't know. That's another episode. We'll tackle that in season three. As is the case, we will be taking a little bit of a break. Uh, for a few weeks, just to kind of recalibrate for us, you know, all of us are quite busy working on a lot of projects and stuff, um, and getting ready for a killer new season. Yeah, we want to we want to gear up for season three. Yeah, we have some big changes coming along in season three. We really want to present to you something of high value and lots of content. Yeah, so please, obviously, pray for us. We we would love your prayers. Um, we're thankful for you listening and encouraging us. Thank you for um, messaging us. And just, it's really cool because this is become like a, almost a, a platform to really just engage people from literally all around the world, which has been really exciting to hear people, uh, our friends down under known down as under. Australia and New Zealand and places. I don't know. Tasmania. Yeah. 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 All, all the, you know who you are if you're listening. I think something's going on in Australia. I think we're going to see something coming out of there because if we think that things are getting rough with our government here, it's it's way worse there. And so people are being driven to their ideological presuppositions to sort of become woke to those. I think I think it's those countries that we're going to see some big changes coming from. Yeah. And, you know, and just think about I was talking tonight. Mary and I were talking just about uh, Africa and just some of the work that I've been a part mm-hmm. of and some stuff in the future. And just like asking God, because we know that Christianity has blown up in the global South. It's mm-hmm. just, that's been the trend for decades now. Uh, but just to see that shift in Christendom and, and asking God to use places like Africa and South America to really raise up an entire army of, of Christians with missionary zeal who are going to places uh, to, to continue to expand the kingdom of God. So Amen. that'll be our prayer. Well, anyway, we have kind of a hodgepodge of stuff we want to cover. Uh, Just a few different items that we've been thinking about. We're going to talk about Kanye later and humility, uh, something that, uh, you know, broadly speaking, is obviously a a virtuous thing. It's a fruit of of God's spirit in us. We want to be people of humility, and especially as it ties to, to Kanye's new album. And so we'll get to that in a little bit in the second half. But first, man, we, we, uh, You've listened to last uh, the last episode. We we launched Lamb's Reign, a blog collaborative effort with uh, kingdom minded people, trying to to uh, hit the blogosphere, if you will, with quality content articles focusing on the the reign of our King Jesus, who the Lamb who was slain. And so we've had some 
good articles. We have some more coming out, of course. But really, Jordan, I know one of them that we just uh, put out was from our friend Dr. Joel McDermott on dominionism and the difference between that and dominion. Because a lot of people in our camp, you know, post mills, we get kind of lumped in with some of the new apostolic folks and people who do talk about the seven mountains and those things. And and we want to make a, you know, a qualifier there. Yeah. One of the great things about Christian Reconstruction is that we've sort of reclaimed the the focus on biblical dominion and reclaimed a biblical vision of what dominion is and an emphasis on dominion. That didn't just go away, uh, you know, when, when Christ came. In fact, he redeemed and restored us as servants God of the kingdom of God to be all the more empowered to take dominion as Holy Spirit filled Christians who are obeying his law and teaching others to obey his law. And obviously that that narrative being coming out of um, the garden where God gives that mandate uh, to go forth and multiply and take dominion and nowhere is it rescinded. And the whole story of the Bible is Christ redeeming a people, not just for their own sake, but to worship him and also to redeem the whole earth through their labors and through their uh, taking dominion mm-hmm. and subduing the earth. So out of, uh, I guess you could say, the movement in the 70s and the 80s, you had a lot of different strains um, in, in terms of what the moral majority was with Pat Robertson and Jerry Falwell and in the Ronald Reagan coming to power area, era, um, where there was this whole renewed focus on taking back politics for Christianity and those kinds of things. And you had some good things about it, but you had a whole lot of bad sort mm-hmm. of things about that whole movement. And um, separating out the good from the bad, one of the bad strains that I would consider to be overall that came out of it was this uh, Seven Mountains Dominionism, which is differentiated from uh, biblical dominion. And this is where Joel gets into sort of the weeds on this. And so uh, the Seven Mountains of Dominionism are uh, business, government, family, religion, media, education, and entertainment. And so what they absolutely get right is the fact that Christ's kingdom is expansive and it includes all of those things. And to the, to the, well, we would say as reconstructionists, to the extent that the gospel takes over and hearts are regenerated, though all of those things should be transformed. The problem is when you get to dominionism is you start to see more of a top-down approach. Let's sort of uh, cling to power. Let's, let's sort of Uh, grasp power at the top levels in each of these mountains, and from there we can influence, and then we can cause a change from the top to the bottom, which is sort of the inverse of what we advocate as Christian Reconstructionists. We need to spread the gospel, the full gospel, not the atonement-only gospel, but the full gospel, but it has to be a work that leavens its way through the culture from the bottom up as a grassroots effort. And we we don't want, like for example, a big difference here would be we want to abolish government schools. We're not trying to take them over. Right. <laughs> right. So there's some nuance there. Well, we want to replace them with education that is godly. Right. We don't want to just destroy it. We want to replace it. But don't, yeah. And don't, what I mean is don't, um, we're not trying to just hijack the already failing system. Right. Okay. So so what we don't need to do is to put a Christian bow on the current public That's ed- education system <laughs> and put prayers back in school. Well, yes. I think this really has a lot to do with this this idea that that strategies and tactics are somehow neutral Mm. but they're not right so like we are trying to build a christian society but how we do that is every bit as ethical as the end goal itself 
So using yeah. like the, the tyranny of the state and all these pre-existing institutions and essentially what we would call power religion and, and uh, all of these mechanisms of society that are based on coercion, force, and violence, that is not actually how you build Christendom. Amen. That's how you build a very, very twisted caricature of Christendom. That's right. And we want to be very vocal about that because uh, the charismatics have been uh, central to that movement in terms of the the Seven Mountains uh, Dominion movement. And we want to draw a sharp distinction because a lot of times when you hear Dominionism, now the people think of Reconstructionists just because we talk about post-mill and we talk about reclaiming all of life for Christ. Yeah. Uh, we sort of sometimes can get lumped into that. We want to draw a sharp, distinct, sharp distinction. So what I wanted to do was just read a little bit of a, an excerpt here from Joel's article. It's a great article on lambsrain.com. Um, this is from near the beginning where he's talking about one of the main differences. It says, the most concerning point of divergence is that the Seven Mountains Dominion version does what critics of traditional Dominion theology have falsely accused us of, us being Reconstructionists, doing the whole time planning to grab the reins of influence through whatever means necessary, usurp the seats of political power, and impose a so-called, quote, theocracy upon society from the top down with a whether-you-like-it-or-not-it's-for-your-own-good mentality. We have responded, as Reconstructionists, uh, consistently that our blueprint is about the rollback of tyranny, not the replacement of it, the removal of unjust taxation, welfare, warfare, government programs, etc. We favor privatization, local control of civil and criminal law, hard and sound money, and private charity for cases of poverty, all led by families, businesses, and churches, not large, centralized, national top-down solutions. We have said consistently that such a world will never exist without successful evangelism ahead of it. If there is no personal revival and recourse to God's word, there will be no free society, no Christian reconstruction, no godly dominion in the land. Amen. That's really good. An important nuance. I mean, especially when you, John, you brought up the ethical means towards that ethical end. Obviously, the law of God has to play an important role. Um, but, but in that application of the law of God, we are insisting upon the Holy Spirit's transfer, transformation, regeneration. When the Spirit writes that law in the hearts of people, then it's then that's change. That's right. real change. And this is this is not like a, a new story. Like we see this in film and we see this in novels all the time. It's like the righteous cause becomes corrupt. It becomes the new yeah. villain. Like we yeah. see this on like every other movie. <laughs> this is the one ring. This is Boromir trying to use the power yeah. of Sauron for good. It doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. It's always like you cannot use power religion <laughs> to build Christianity. It's always like, think of what we could achieve together. Yeah. <laughs> you would only join me. We can use it for good though, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. We can. Other people can't use it for good, but I'm sure we can do it. And yep. we see this all the time. We yeah. see this with uh, the New Apostolic Reformation people and Dominionism. We also see this with uh, the Patriarchalists and the Kenists and all these different power religion camps. Mm -hmm. They all want to use their their pagan views of authority and power to coerce others into some some, some twisted form of Christianity, and it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what General Zod offered to <laughs> Jor-El. <laughs> what a nerd. <laughs> Superman. Man. Well, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been with the kids. We've been going through the Star Wars saga. So it just reminds me of, you know, uh, Vader trying to get Luke to come on board with the program. You know, let the hate come on, you know, just hate more and then you can join me. And this is where we're at. And yeah, it's just, you know, that's the top down, the power of religion. So 
shifting gears a little bit, another article we want to discuss is uh, the Renaissance Renaissance man plea from a friend of ours, Russell Trawick. He's a, a pastor in Texas, a friend of ours, part of the Fellowship of Christian Reconstructionist Churches. He had an article, uh, you know, Jordan, I think you have, you have a little snippet from that, but just basically this, this call to... Um, not just like pastors, but of course, all men being uh, not so narrow in the sense of we as a culture like to just think that you're only allowed to be an expert at one thing, <laughs> you know. So if you don't, if you're not an expert on this one issue, then you certainly can't speak to this other issue either. So what you know, yeah, what's so going to come out of that concept of a Renaissance man or woman has been sort of lost. It was much larger. This is even more recent. We think of like William Carey or Jonathan Edwards or a lot of these people of that era. They pretty much could do everything. They were like into botany. They were into science. They were into business. They were into art. They were into music. They could just kind of play everything. And as uh, the the view of the of the expanse of gospel, and a lot of them were post-millennialists, they had this view that okay, I can apply all of life to Christ and to, and um, all of life to biblical principles. Mm-hmm. And so in America, we have this culture of uh, specialization and extreme narrow roles for what people do. And, uh, you know, we don't have enough time to really get into all of that why and all the, the influences behind that. But uh, something that uh, Russell wrote about was this, this phenomena of needing to reclaim uh, a basically a, a the ability for people to pursue multiple disciplines and not just pigeonhole themselves into one thing. Yeah, po- polymath versus a monomath. Monomath being uh, someone who just knows one subject or one field of information. And, and part of the reason this came out, of course, was because uh, of some feedback regarding uh, my sermon that I gave on vaccines. Um, you know, and I, I spent quite a bit of time on, on that subject, studying it for, you know, a couple of months, really pouring myself over into this topic. And of course, you know, I'm not a medical doctor, so obviously I know nothing about vaccines. Right. And, you know, what could you possibly know? What could I possibly get out of that aside from, you know, you know, reading people who have spent their entire lives and, and learning from them? And, um, so yeah, that was part of the call from Russell is is just to let's why do we why do we pigeonhole that yeah. pigeonhole this in that way? Um, there needs to be a call for men who are polymaths, who are experts in a lot of different things, who aren't just you know one thing. Learn, grow. That's part of maturity. Yeah, and so let me read a little uh, excerpt from his article. Russell writes: Today we live in an age of monomath specialists, experts, professionals. These are people who get stuck in the parameters of one-way thinking with the inability to see the bigger picture, around the corner of the possibilities and beyond. They cannot see how two things work relationally or see the similarities between two different things. The struggle with monomaths is that they not only have blinders on, but they also cannot fathom others being more than monomaths themselves. If anyone speaks on a subject outside their, quote, field of expertise, or the monomath's perception of what one's expertise is, it seems as if the individual is immediately disqualified to discuss it. I believe that intrinsically there is a problem here, and it is a predominant problem with society today. 
monomaths without, without really knowing it have done something detrimental to society as a whole. This includes Christians. The idea is itself is secular rather than sacred, socialistic or communistic rather than individualistic. The monomath ideology turns individuals with specific callings, abilities, talents, giftedness, and desires, unique image bearers of God into nothing more than cogs in the wheel of society. Hmm. Boom. Yeah, that's, that's good stuff. <laughs> I think yeah. some of this has to do with trying to be the gatekeepers of society as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like let's lock down intelligent conversation unless you have the magical piece of paper from the government approved institution. Yeah, sort of like <laughs> a, you know? a guildism of Right. It, it really is. Mm-hmm. It really is. And this this happens all the time in all sorts of different discussions. One person's going to uh, quote a doctor and say, aha, you can't disagree with the doctor. But of course I probably have a doctor in my back pocket too, right? right? Yeah. So it's like whose doctor are we quoting? Right. It just, it just gets really, really absurd. And, and one thing we should be clear on, this doesn't mean that everybody has to go and become an expert at 15 different things. Right. <laughs> what we're talking about is using your God-given ability to glorify him with your brain. Right. Yeah. <laughs> However that is for you. Yeah. And the, this reflexive dismissiveness to anybody who's in, entering into multiple disciplines. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we see how this monomath mentality... Uh, really comes forth whenever you have conversations with people who have PhDs in some uh, obscure theology, and then you have a conversation about economics with them, and you're just severely disappointed. Right. <laughs> you're yeah. like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. it's like, I am no longer intimidated. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, if you're not careful, it's good to study singular focused topics, especially if they're sp- needed and it's your calling, that's great. You do that. Go for it. But just be on guard about the fact that you do have to know how things work relationally because not every discipline is isolated. In fact, none of them are. They are in some way related to other disciplines. And so it's 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 a blind it's a potential blind spot you gotta watch out for. Right. Just be well rounded, I think is the, the basic point of this. Sure. Well and I can I can speak to this, especially being a pastor in terms of um just just a particular calling that that I have. Um, and, and I use that in a, in a broad sense. And I think you, you guys know that. I mean, you're here, you, you know, we're, we're doing this, uh, this thing together. And it's just this idea of, I, I think a lot of pastors are expected to not talk about certain things from the pulpit because, uh, you know, you're supposed to just teach us the gospel. Yes. So it's not only a, a dispensary of milk, the pulpit, it is suddenly then secluded from the reality of what's happening. And I'll give you an example. Uh, my Twitter feed was full of people saying, you know, Kanye's album is out, and now is a great time. This was Saturday night. Now is a great time to take that out of your sermon and just preach Jesus. Yeah. And, and you what know, a hot take. Now, like, I agree that we probably shouldn't... Uh, you know, just sing his songs and not preach the Bible and, and sort of the attractional uh, garbage cotton, cotton that you candy. see. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you if that's what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. But if if you're con- if you're constantly saying, you know, now's a great time to take that out of your sermon. When are you actually addressing issues? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when are you when are you going to take the time to teach your people how to respond to, you know, the 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 um, when Jonah was sent to preach to the Ninevites, how are you going to teach people to respond to the king who just converted? Right. You know, someone of uh, tremendous influence. And and again, not that you need to, you know, come out with your big clock and try to act cool like you're, you've been into hip hop this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
that's not I agree that you know that's just fakery we we see that from a mile away but that mindset of not being able to address certain topics is why I think that's exactly the condition why the church is in the condition it is today amen so with that said, too, we're going to go to break here in a second. I did want to talk about real quick just this interesting event that I'll be attending. It's in D.C. on the mall, and it's coming up on November 14th. And you should check it out. It's called the ViEvent.com is a website, but the Vi Event, the Vaccine Injury Epidemic Event. Thousands V-I-E. Of, V-I-E. Yep. The V-I-E Event.com. And it's interesting, um, as we've kind of navigated some of this, we mentioned already on the show the nodeception.org website where we're really trying to bring the gospel into this area, bringing the kingdom of God into this subject of of vaccines and epidemics, uh, the injury epidemic, which is a real legitimate thing. Um, I'm excited to go. Uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is going to be there, Dell Bigtree, Dr. Andy Wakefield, Andrew Wakefield is going to be there. Uh, Very controversial (laughs) figure in the medical community. Uh, but this, this is, is an event in D.C. Um, and all day, it's on Thursday, November 14th. And just, you know, pray for that opportunity. I'm excited to go and just to meet people. Um, they're going to have speakers and music and all sorts of things, a lot of connections. And probably what I love most about this event that I'm looking forward to the most is when we think about the law of God, when we think about what it does in uh, serving people who are victims of tyranny or oppression or abuse, those types of things. There are going to be so many people here with that. Folks who have uh, suffered through um, their child experiencing autism on some degree or another, some sort of injury, um, we would argue because of vaccines, because of throwing toxic chemicals and other things into your body, um, what a, what a better way, what is there a better way to bring the gospel into that situation, to yeah. give people real hope? Yeah, no, wouldn't Jesus be there mocking all those people and making funny memes about them and, and just making a caricature of them, Yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I think that's what some people might actually think, but I mean, it's just an opportunity for, for the kingdom of God to, to be brought into an area where the church has been largely silent on. Um, and, and not just silent on that. Obviously, you know, we we lament the silence and apathy on abortion. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. Well, it, it's a way of also connecting people, connecting those dots. Because mm-hmm. it is a live issue, this issue of, of uh, children who are being harmed by something outside of their control. It's a very natural uh, step into the whole abortion discussion and the and what the role of the civil magistrate should be. Right, and so it's it's a very tangible issue because mostly this let's be real the mostly this movement is made up of mothers who have visibly witnessed their children turn from normal babies that are doing fine they have the vaccine and then something goes very wrong and can't they walk. see it change right yeah. in front of their eyes. And a lot of people are uh, insulting these women. They're making fun of them. They're they're casting them aside. They're acting like they're stupid, and like they're disconnected and detached. And it, it's it couldn't be further from the truth. These are some of the bravest women I've been. So just to get to know some of these people in the movement, they're smart. They're informed, more informed than the other side. I would also add. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah. and. I think we can bring the message of abolition 
uh, as well to this discussion because, you know, let's face it, the abortion Holocaust is the most important issue that we're facing in the United States today. But I think this is a good, uh, not only to uh, address this issue, because it, it on its own right is important, yeah. but then also to wake people up to other injustices as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I couldn't agree more on that. Viavent.com, thevieevent.com. You can find information there. There's tickets, especially if you're like, you know, in a decent distance away or whatever, you want to come and check this out. Um, it's a in an all-day event. The information's there. So, all right, uh, that's it for us for the first half. We uh, are going to come back to talk about Kanye West, Jesus yeah. is King, the album. Uh, just some thoughts there, especially surrounding the issue of humility. Um, and just how we approach that subject and others, of course. But uh, yeah, hang tight. We'll be right back. Museum victories. Every day we wanted everything. Wanted everything. Mama said, don't give up. It's a little complicated. All tied up. No more love. And I'd hate to see you waiting. Had to have Presenting Telos Coffee Roasters, the official coffee of Cross and Crown Radio. Telos exclusively chooses specialty-grade coffee to derive the highest flavor potential from beans sourced all over the world, culminating in deliciously roasted coffee for your enjoyment. Visit our website at www.telloscoffeeroasters.com to peruse an array of delightful blends. Or even purchase a subscription. Telos Coffee, where it's our purpose to deliver coffee you'll enjoy. It's a hard road to heaven We call on your blessings In the Father we put our faith King of the kingdom Our demons are trembling Holy angels defending In the Father we put our faith Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip Rise and go toward the south To the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza this is a desert place, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and asked, Do you understand what you are reading? And he said, How can I, unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come with him and sit with him. 
Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. Amen. Amen. Great, great passage that's, of Scripture. That's Acts chapter 8, 26 through 40. Acts chapter 8, awesome. Well, welcome back to Cross and Crown Radio. This is the second half of episode number 12, last episode of the season. Uh, and we're going to end it with a bang because this has kind of been a huge, huge topic. Uh, social media has obviously blown up over this really this journey that Kanye West has been on for, for a little while, it oh, sounds like. he's been like. in the news recently? Yeah, this guy, I don't know, he's a <laughs> rapper, you know, he's... Isn't like Kim Kardashian's husband? Yeah, that's is that him. Who he is? Oh, him. Kardashian <laughs> West. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, the, the Jesus Walks guy. Uh, oh, that guy. Yeah. Uh, just a, you know, I, I don't know all the stats, I should have looked, but just, you know, he's won some incredible awards, I know, just over the years, and some of his... Some of his work in the music industry, hip hop, rap, and it's fascinating because the reason it's obviously big news is because he's a professing Christian now. Yeah, and he uh, just released his album "Jesus Is King," which uh, I know all of you we've all listened to it several times mm-hmm. over. Um, the song you just heard is my favorite one. Use this gospel. Uh, I, I just I just love the beat. Kenny G's on it. That's cool. Kenny G's seeing a nice resurgence. Yeah. Saxophonist Kenny G. <laughs> yeah. Unexpected, but really. Make the saxophone great again. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. And so, yeah, anyway, with social media blowing up, obviously there's a ton of differing opinions on this man. Uh, is he really a Christian? You know, what's his theology? Uh, there's been a lot of uh, remarks about you know, the quality of the music. And there's just, you know, kind of been a debate back and forth on this issue with Kanye. Um, and I thought the album was great in terms of, uh, especially the content. I enjoyed it. I, I, yeah, I enjoy the music. Follow God. We played that earlier. That's a good song. Um, Chick-fil-A, you know, kind of closed on <laughs> Sunday. You're my Chick-fil-A. Um, not a song about Chick-fil-A. <laughs> not really. No. <laughs> Interestingly no. enough. Um, but this, yeah, this might be like my, third or fourth favorite Kanye album as far as music goes, but it's still special. Yeah. Like there's a couple of songs on it that are really special. They're really, really great. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I guess let's just kind of, you know, walk through that a little bit in terms of, you know, how should we be thinking about this? How, how should we treat him? Do we treat him as a brother or are we, do, are we kind of, you know, should we be skeptical Surely uh, God can't save somebody famous. Yeah. Right. <laughs> is, is that how it works? Let's yeah. not be presumptuous here. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it is like, a, you know, a rather big in-house debate uh, between Christians about how we should view Kanye. And there's lots of different sides, lots of different nuance and nuances and many, many different sides, right? Many different opinions. But I think it kind of fits into a few categories, if, if that makes sense. Um, I think on one category, um, 
to be very uh, aware of is that we do have these very reactionary cultural conservatives that just wants to plant their flag wherever somebody famous plants their flag, mm-hmm. right? And you have these people who are seeing a famous person saying something vaguely Christian, and now they just adopt him as like their figurehead. Right? Yeah. And they're, just, they're very, very quick to jump on any influential cultural train, whatever the case may be, yeah. like, however sincere the person is or isn't. You see this anytime, you know, somebody like Brad Pitt makes mention that he was raised as Christian. It was like, oh my goodness, now I'm Brad Pitt's biggest fan, you know? <laughs> and it's like, I don't know anything about Brad Pitt, yeah. but yeah. it's like anything that's even remotely Christian that's said by someone famous, they automatically kind of jump on board, right? And this is this kind of shallowness that gets Donald Trump elected. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know, this Case is the kind, kind of shallowness that's like somebody is waving our team's flag, so I'm going to become a fanboy immediately. Yeah, yeah, the registered Democrat won the Republican <laughs> nomination. Right, right, right. And, and it's it's extremely shallow, and it's almost downright silly, to be honest. And um, it's it's kind of embarrassing. And, and a lot of these same people will start thinking of him as some sort of thought leader, like some sort of theologian. And he's been a Christian all of, like, what, a half a year or a year or something. Yeah, it's not going to be Shy Lin. Yeah, Yeah, right, right. right. So we need to be very aware that there are those people out there and we want to correct them lovingly. It's like, look, don't look to him as some sort of thought leader, some sort of teacher. Like, don't do that. That's not who he is. Yeah. You can enjoy his music. You can appreciate his music. But he is a baby Christian, Mm. a baby Christian with a lot of influence. It's just kind of like a baby playing with a gun. Mm. You got to be careful. Well, I was just going to say real quick, Jordan a baby Christian who has articulated some interesting theological concepts like repentance and, you know, some things that he, he has said that I've never heard Donald Trump say true for one. Yeah. But yeah. What were were we going to say? Well, I was just looking at it from the standpoint, I'm reminded of uh, the blind man who encountered Christ and, you know, the Pharisees and the people, they're all questioning him and they're all skeptical and they're all wanting him to, get dirt on Jesus. He's like, look, I I don't know what to tell you, but I was blind Mm -hmm. and now I can see. That is the feel that I get when I listen to this album. And man, I love Shylin and I love, you know, lots of other Christian rappers. But um, I also appreciate this album in a equal way, but a different way. Mm -hmm. It's the cry of a new convert. Yeah, the simplicity of it. It actually is, is pretty beautiful. Yeah. And, yeah, because you'll yeah. you'll hear Shylin, he'll go he'll go into some deep <laughs> doctrinal stuff. And also it's beautiful, brilliant. also it's beautiful, so good, and, and can also bring you to tears in yeah. a different way. Yeah, but but this is this is a different. Yeah, it's just a different feel altogether. Someone who has literally lived the high life in terms of like money and yeah. power, in terms of connections and, and you, popularity, and, and you know that is rare. Mm-hmm. It is rare to see somebody who, with all the fame and all the power and everything they could ever want, just be very quickly converted mm-hmm. as ostensibly is going on with Kanye West. And I, I have seen some people say, well, you know, uh, my, this, this other guy just got saved and no one cares about him cause he's not famous. No, it's not about that. <laughs> no, I, I really care about your friend down the street who got saved and nobody's ever going to know about him. But this is also, uh, I think something that can be used by God to influence many people. And for that reason, I think it is noteworthy. No, absolutely. 
Uh, there are other uh, people kind of roughly within the conservative camp uh, who believes that Kanye just must be wicked because his wife wore a dress with a dragon on it. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I for, saw that take. For example, you know, they, they think he must be wicked because he has, you know, worked with people who are wicked or has worked with people who has worked with people who has worked with people who are wicked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I don't I don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time on this camp because frankly they're kind of ridiculous. These are gonna be the same people who will bring up their numerology arguments and dissect every number that he uses on his album, and of course all of them leads to six six six, right? Yeah, it's like here we <laughs> Somehow, go. Some magical here we I mean, I even heard somebody say uh, a couple days ago that music itself was a gift from Lucifer. So I I don't want to just mock and make fun, but there is this camp of people who will find anything to dismiss and disparage anybody who isn't just like them. Mm -hmm. These are the same people where they're going to be finding like hidden triangles on every picture that proves that somebody is actually a secret agent of the Illuminati. Illuminati. (laughs) (laughs) As if triangles can't exist within, you know, the world without it meaning (laughs) the Illuminati. Um, Goodness gracious. So people are weird. People are complicated. (laughs) And that's really all I have to say about that. This is a theology of guilt by association, superstition, and so on and so forth. But, yeah, yeah. There's just so much in that in that in that camp. I mean, we could spend hours dissecting it. But so we have those those folks who are skeptics or worse, demonizing him. Right. There's no possible way that he can be a genuine convert. You know, God could never save a guy like that. When I'm over here, like, look, unlikely converts. That's all we yeah. have. All of us are unlikely converts. Now. I love my Baptist brothers and sisters very much, but I do see a little bit of a reaction here because in in some quarters, uh, I think especially in Baptist circles, Baptistic circles, you have a very strong desire to purify the church and to ensure that you've only got regenerate believers in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, it goes back historically to you know the divide in, in the 17th century and, and on forward. But in any case, their local church membership polity is very much reflective of this intense desire to keep the church pure. And what you have happen eventually is situations where you remain very skeptical of uh, new believers, of new professions of faith, because you're just so afraid that they could turn out to be uh, unbelievers um, or fraud of some kind, and now we've got a huge problem on our hands. So to affect that, we'll we'll erect all of these hedges and all of these um, you know tactics to prevent that from happening. And I see that sort of thread going. Let's wait and see. You know, well he he needs to show some fruit for a period of years and years. He needs to go through some trials, and let's wait and see until he gives up this or does that. Uh, I, I'm holding out judgment. You all are basically uh, naive to just assume mm-hmm. that he's a Christian, right? And that's why we read this this passage coming yeah, in here. Ethiopian eunuch, and absolutely, yeah. There are these almost like fruit detectors. You know, they're the guardians into yeah. the church, yeah. not his profession of faith and his baptism. It, yes. it, like they're the guardians into the church. And, right. and we're not against the idea where Jesus was pretty clear: you will know a tree by its fruits. Like that's a biblical concept. Right, but there's a way in which you can go about that where it's just constant, like like a, just a nitpicking sort of skepticism. Where I, I don't think that's I don't think that's the way we should treat him. When Jesus said, "You'll know it's for you," uh, 
a tree by its fruit, that's to identify false teachers who, when they show bad fruit, you can regard them as such. Right. Not to erect some, like, you know, uh, cast iron door to the kingdom, right? Where yeah. you look at the the uh, Philip and how he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. Does he say, well, Ethiopian eunuch, you need to enter into a, a six-month period of, oh, I'm going to take you some, some great classes. You're going <laughs> to learn a lot, and I'm going to watch your life. I'm going to disciple you, and at the end of that, you know, Membership we'll reevaluate, yeah. and then you can come on into Christ's kingdom, and, and then you can be baptized. Yeah. Immediate right. baptism. And the truth is, we don't. No, we don't for know. certain. We don't know. And this is where humility comes in. We, yeah. we do want to speak about humility kind of in a more broad way, but specifically in regards to Kanye, we don't know, not with any degree of certainty. Like we do have a testimony of a seemingly faithful pastor. Uh, and we have the testimony of, of Kanye himself, even his wife and those around him. Uh, but even then he could of course be a charlatan, right? Yeah. He could be, he absolutely he could, could. He could be self-deceived. Uh, mm-hmm. knowing Kanye, yeah. uh, he could be suffering from a particularly religious mental breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we don't know with any certainty and we cannot know with any certainty. We don't know him personally. Uh, so we do actually do, you know, we do need to see his fruit over time, over years to get those kind of certain assurances, but we're not talking about certainties, assurances and guarantees. Right. I think what we should be discussing is charity and grace in light of that uncertainty. Right. When there is uncertainty, what is our default position? Because there's oftentimes going to be uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And it is my contention that uh, the default attitude among Christians in regards to any new professing Christian, whether it's Kanye West or Kanye West or, or Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin, I don't care. <laughs> you know, the default attitude towards any new professing Christian should be one of grace and charity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Until it's shown otherwise right. with bad fruit, the default position should be grace and charity. And Amen. just just so we're clear, like it's not really gracious or full of a sort of a charity when you just want to pompously say, well, he needs to show me some fruit. Right, or his Christianity must look like mine immediately. He yeah. must be as woke as I am or as reformed as I am immediately. And I, I, we would all love for him to come out you know, a week later and say, you know, I actually subscribe to the Westminster Confession of Faith. Uh, I'm going to take with, off that red hat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, like, there are some things that we would love to hear him say. Then he'd lose all his fans. <laughs> <laughs> Half his fans. But, like, that just doesn't happen overnight. Right, right. You know, it's, it's one of those things where... You can make these guilt by association connections and say he's friends with Donald Trump and Donald Trump is such a terrible person and he supports Donald Trump and therefore we should be suspect of his Christianity. It's almost like my my dad likes Donald Trump. You know, it's like how many people like Donald Trump who are still faithful believers? I think they're wrong. Yeah. And I could talk all day long about how much I don't like <laughs> Donald Trump. Yeah. But my goodness, are we really going to internet anathematize this guy? Right. Because he has associations with somebody we don't like. And that's the key with that's the yeah. key with humility, right? That's the whole point in terms of just general Christian disposition, one of humility um, and and thinking uh, soberly, thinking biblically, um, trying to exhibit graciousness towards others, uh, just kind of a general again general disposition. But I think in this in this instance, um, we we should be very very quick. Well, one, we should be quick to listen, as James tells us, right? Quick to listen. Let, let's listen to the man. What is he saying? Um, not that he's like, again, somehow this Christian spokesperson and he should be treated as such. 
but he does have a lot of influence, he a sure ton does. of influence. Um, so let's listen to him. Let's be quick to that. And I've been listening to him. I've listened to an interview that he did. And one of the things that I picked up that I thought was, wow, that's actually quite good, was he is instinctively almost starting to apply his faith to every area of life. He's mm. applying it to his business. People look at that uh, skeptically. No, I mean, he should be doing that. He should be thinking, all right, what are now that I'm a servant of God, how does that affect the way that I approach fashion, mm-hmm. the way that I approach my fashion business, uh, the way that I approach sustainability, the way that I approach where I'm going to live or what you know what I'm going to do. He is very clearly thinking about sort of a faith for all of life view. And my one fear is that Christians will actually come around him and tamp that down. Yeah, uh, I actually want them to... I want Christians to come around him, and I'm praying that Christians will come around him that can lead him into truth and and help to guard him from error. But also, there's error in the church, and I'm I'm sort of concerned that he could be tainted by that as well, mm-hmm. even in what we would consider to be the conservative church. Yeah, right? I would love for someone to get him a copy of Revolt Against Maturity. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> I, I even yes, like someone teach him presuppositionalism. Oh, you yeah. know. <laughs> Uh, so Kanye, if you're listening, we'd love to talk to you about that. Absolutely. <laughs> get him on the one in the many. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, let's, goodness. Let's, yeah. Let's <laughs> give him some Van Til and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, yeah. Some of those things that he's said, just in terms of repentance, I think even you referenced the business thing about like, you know, stop watching pornography. You yeah. Know, something that is, <laughs> I mean, how many strip clubs does Donald Trump own? Uh, like, we, yeah, like that's wonderful. I love that he's saying those things. Yeah, he's uh, posing with uh, Jerry Jr. in front of the Playboy magazine. Yeah, oh, framed goodness. on his wall. Right. Yes, Trump right. and Falwell. And I, I've also heard things, and you know, I think it was even the same interview where he's he's still telling everybody he's the greatest living artist of all. Like, yeah, and, and it's like, okay, Kanye, come on, tone it down, man. <laughs> so uh, obviously he has some things to learn. What? He's immature. He needs to be hum- uh, humbled, and you don't want to give him a free pass. At, at the same time, mm-hmm. no, uh, I no free pass. I think he's still Kanye. I, I sure. think he's Christian Kanye. I think he's still Kanye, and that has certain baggage that needs to be worked out over time. And he would. Admit what do you know? That. There needs to be sanctification. He yeah. would admit that. Yeah, I think he would. Right. So I think, you know, with with his sort of his rhetoric about being the greatest of all time and all of these different things, it really ha- brings attention to the need for humility. And I, I, I've been reading a lot about humility the last several months, and I, I preached a sermon on humility. And one of the things I found is that oftentimes when I searched subjects of, uh, related to humility, everybody talked about it in relation to uh, one person to another. Mm-hmm. So I need to be humble towards Jordan or Jason needs to be humble towards me. And it was all about how we uh, interact with one another. Uh, but what I found biblically and through some some good theonomic authors is that humility must begin with thinking about God correctly. Yes. It has to begin there. The transcendence of God is the basis for all humility. Period. Like, if we don't start there, we're not going to get the rest of it. Yeah, because a lot of people, they're mm. not thinking first about God with humility, and then they're not thinking about, okay, what does God's law say? And then they're operating out of sort of a nicety, which they think is humility, but they're actually going against God's law and acting like they're humble. When is that true humility? You know, 
Exactly. And this is where a lot of the false views of humility comes from. All these, these false views of humility that are actually pride. They're very prideful mm. declarations of, of supposed neutrality against God, right. where they're not understanding the transcendence of God. If they don't understand the transcendence of God in relation to ethics or, uh, or philosophy or their life in general, then they're not going to understand humility. Because God is most holy, and he is our creator, and we are mere creatures. So we have this creatureliness that is very important to understand. There's this really uh, basic Christian idea of the creator-creation distinction. Mm -hmm. And what happens is that sometimes people overemphasize this distinction to the degree as if God is other and has not spoken, almost this Mm. deism. Yeah. And and this is where you get these Christian relativists and these people who basically can't speak on anything truth related and it's out of a sense of false humility. Yeah. They, they they believe that because we are mere creatures and we have this uncertainty because we, you know, we look through the glass darkly and these these texts like that, um we can't actually make any truth claims. Yes. But but the problem is God has spoken. So what we need to be very mindful of is that when God speaks, we can speak. Amen. And if we we refuse to speak on these subjects, if we're cowardly and refuse to speak on these subjects, we are actually prideful in that way. We're saying that I'm going to be the judger of the law right. as opposed to letting the law judge. Yeah. So humility really ought to be then kind of defined, just just thinking like definitionally, as your proper placement in terms of the created order. So which is just a kind of another way of thinking covenantally, right? You brought up God's transcendence. That's that's the first point of God's covenants, um, understanding who we are in Him. And that, I don't know, when I just think about that, I, I, I think of Isaiah in the throne room, seeing Jesus Christ the train right. of his robe, and, and just a level of like the humility stemming from awe and fear. Right, and, exactly. You know, reverence, and like you're just knocked off your high horse. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> and, it, it's amazing, really, when you really start meditating upon the godliness of God, the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and us in comparison to that. It's almost overwhelming to the point where you are almost fearful to speak. Yeah. Uh, one way that I define humility, and I really like how you said it, and I think we, we're pretty much saying exactly the same thing, is that humility is not necessarily thinking less of ourselves, but humility is thinking much more of the Almighty God. Mm. And in light of that, living a life reflecting that in utter and complete dependence upon Him. Yeah, that's really good. So, so, this, this, is also, this is also how the law of God is structured. It begins with how we view God. And then from that how we treat one another, but it mm. begins yeah. with how you view God. Yeah. And that, that is so, so important. And I don't know guys, but one, one thing that I find difficult as a reconstructionist, as an abolitionist, as, as a guy who generally believes some radical ideas, <laughs> as somebody who believes that Christianity affects all areas of life, uh, somebody who doesn't believe in neutrality because of that, I think sometimes we can almost maximize the importance of every topic because we don't believe in no, no, we don't, we don't believe in any, I'm sorry. We don't believe in any neutrality. 
Therefore, every topic becomes ethical. Yeah. And it becomes very, very easy to then say, if you disagree with me on dang near anything, you are a power religionist or you are evil or you are a tyrant. Yeah. And it's very quick to do that whenever you're a presuppositionalist and a theonomist and an abolitionist and so on and so forth. And although that could be true in some cases, I think we really need to focus on the idea of humility and how to be a humble theonomist. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's when those strains of power religion create direct abuses, that's when we need to sort of get radical. But until that point... We need to be super patient with people because, I mean, what were we yesterday? I mean, the past five years or whatever. Oh, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. We need, yeah. One way I've talked to people about this before is that, you know, would, would I, would, would the John Reasoner of 2019 be able to be friends with the John Reasoner of 2017? <laughs> or, would, or would I be too prideful <laughs> and too correct now to be friends with me from two years ago? And, and it's like, I don't think I was an evil guy two years ago. I think I've grown. Yeah. I don't think I was an evil guy. I was trying to figure things out. And I'm still figuring yeah. things out. And you'll figure things out in 2021 and 22. Right. And, and, and the point of this, and this kind of goes back to what I believe humility is, is that anything good and right that I believe doesn't come from me. Yeah. I'm not any more smart than the next guy. I, I'm not in all of these ideas. Whether anything is good and right, it doesn't come from me. All my mistakes are mine, though. And that's, that's the proper placement before God. Coram Deo, right? Before the face of God. Right, exactly. And so, you know, it, it is a difficult topic because, like, how do we treat people? Uh, how do we treat topics? And I really like what you said, Jordan, because it comes down to um, loving God first and then loving your neighbor. And that is, I think, how we should have unity with Christians is trying to dissect, and I think this takes wisdom, I don't think this is necessarily a science, but trying to dissect who is the Pharisee versus who is the woman at the well. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's going to be the Pharisee. Yeah. And whenever your attitude is everybody's a Pharisee, so I'm going to call, I'm going to treat everybody like the Pharisee. (laughs) I'm going to treat everybody like the, um, like, like a tyrant trying to deceive people. Yeah, I think that becomes a problem, even if they have similar ideas with one another. Sometimes they're a woman at the well that is in sin and doctrinally wrong and needs to be gently corrected. Mm-hmm. Other times you're a Samaritan that needs to be, you know, I'm sorry, you're not a Samaritan. You're a Pharisee that needs to be harshly rebuked. Yeah. 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 Sometimes you're a dear brother in Christ and you need to be told to get behind me, Satan. So there's, there's a these, place for that. There's yeah. these different scenarios, and we need to be very humble, <laughs> and we need to pause and think about how we treat one another and how we talk about different subjects, especially when you're speaking to individuals, and try to really discern who they are uh, while not coming at everybody as if they're being the Pharisee. Yeah. It's a good exhortation. Very good stuff. Thanks, John, for that. Uh, yeah, lots. Of, it's such a deep subject just in terms of not just like how that works out practically, but just how we view it, how we think about it, how we apply it, even just in our own minds, um, being humble before God. All right, guys, that's it for us for this season. What a season. Can you believe it? Thank you to our listeners for tuning in with us. 
every week or every other week. We really appreciate you, and we've had a blast, and we're looking forward to season three. Yes, absolutely. And and please do check out uh, our sponsor, Talos Coffee Roasters. Those guys have been great. Uh, it's been fun partnering with them. Grab yes. some of their coffee. Sign up for a subscription. You know the drill. You can you can do that there. We'll have some uh, links for you. Check those things out. Crossing Crown Seminary. Uh, check us out on CrossCrownChurch.com too. Lots of lots of information and resources there. But that's it. Jesus Whoa. is Lord. Amen. Amen. Indeed. Grace and peace. Yeah.